What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Nearly 20 years ago, Dan Savage held a contest for readers of his acclaimed column, Savage Love, with a very important aim, to come up with a universal slang term for a cis woman entering a guy's behind with a strapped-on dildo. The final contenders in the contest included Bob, inspired by Bend Over Boyfriend, a popular how-to video series, Punt, meaning to kick a ball to the other team, and Peg, which apparently was once a device used to keep certain people's butt cheeks open. That last one won. And ever since, pegging has cropped up increasingly in sex-related conversations. I recently explored pegging with Luna Matadas, an awesome sex and pleasure educator based in Toronto, Canada. Before we entered butt play, ahem, I asked her one of my favorite questions. What did she learn about sex and sexuality growing up? I grew up in a Catholic household, in Catholic school, and so I really didn't learn anything other than how to get pregnant. And so I learned sex was for reproduction. There was no conversations in my household. I also come from like a Caribbean background where um, sex is also very stigmatized, like in many other cultures. And um, so I really didn't learn that much, (laughs) but I was lucky enough when I was 16, I ended up volunteering at a HIV AIDS network. And at that time, it was very much focused education around gay men. And, And so it was pleasure focused. And I was like, what? People do this to like feel good? So it was such an opening. And I really just got passionate about this health promotion side of things and like letting, I was like, does everyone else know this but me? Um, and then it kind of graduated into to doing more things with marginalized communities. And so when I came out of school, I went to Eastern and Southern Africa and I was teaching from a, a public health perspective and facilitating information around the intersections of gender and HIV. And, you know, it doesn't matter where I am, even from, you know, that was 15 years ago and, and now I'm here and you can talk till you're blue in the face about like condoms and like STIs and people still want to know about pleasure. They want to know, how do I do the thing? How do I get my partner to do the thing? As a sex educator, Luna receives a whole lot of questions. And in recent years, many folks' curiosities have involved some aspect of pegging. She told me she isn't sure if that's because anal sex has become a bit more popularized or if the trend stems from a 2015 episode of the sitcom Broad City called To Peg or Not to Peg. Regardless, it's a hot topic. Out of all the emails that I, I get, they're about butt stuff, uh, and they're about pegging, and they're about threesomes. And so it's up there with kind of like the fantasies and, and really embracing this thing that seems delicious, but there's a lot of shame around it. I usually get questions from both receivers and givers of, of pegging. And so the receivers that I usually receive from are, are cis men, and they really are concerned about what their partner is going to think of them if they ask for this fantasy, if they ask for this activity. And, you know, are they going to think I'm gay? Are they going to think it says this about me? Are they going to think it's nasty? 
And then from the other side of the giver who are in my inbox, they tend to be uh, cis uh, women and, uh, and usually heterosexual women as well. And so they're kind of like, well, does this make me butch or dominant? Does this make me, you know, does this mean something about him? So everyone's worried about what we do and what it says about us as people. And our erotic desires really aren't that sophisticated of a pathology. It's sort of, we like the things that feel good. And there's many ways that we get to that feeling good. Some of it's from previous experiences. Some of it's, I saw this porn once. Some of it's just like, I touched my butthole in the shower and it kind of felt good. We can really come to arrive in these places of desiring this kind of pleasure from many different avenues. Luna explored several common myths related to pegging on her blog in a post called Five Strap-On Myths Busted. And the first myth she covered was bigger is better. Yeah, sometimes our eyes are bigger than our buttholes. And <laughs> we want this, this, <laughs> this fantasy of giant things. And we think that bigger is going to give us more stimulation, more pleasure. And the anus, the pleasure anatomy of the anus doesn't actually work that way. For some people, Luna told me, the idea of bigger is connected to the aesthetic and fantasy of taking something really big in. Maybe you watched something on porn and you were excited about that, and it gave you the idea that something really large would be the most exciting. But for many people, the pleasure they desire in their bum has nothing to do with something the size of a fist. It could be a really nuanced finger. It could be a tongue. It could be a small dildo or a small butt plug. And that's going to maximize your anal pleasure and help train your ass for bigger stuff if you do want to get bigger. So it sounds like that's a really good beginner step too. Even if you are someone who ends up really desiring a fist size or something much larger, do you recommend easing your way in literally and, well, literally with you know, your finger with smaller toys with, you know, before you go to the, the triple X. Totally. The triple X is like next level and everyone, whether they're taking from a finger to a penis, to a dildo, to a fist, everyone requires anal training. Our, our anus is a, a muscle or built up of several types of muscle. And so we don't necessarily have that constriction and expansion in the same way that we talk about vaginal muscles and, and we don't necessarily need vaginal training, but we need anal training because the anus just functions differently. And so when thinking about how do I build up to this, one of the great ways, if you're the Peggy or you're the receiver, is to start touching your own butthole and, and to, you know, put your finger up there in the shower and get used to the sensations. Start masturbating with your butthole. Start using really small butt plugs and allow your ass to get kind of comfortable with being penetrated and being a receiver. And, and from there, then we actually start to, it's, it's actually a physiological experience for people where we toughen parts of the tissue around the anus so that they're more likely to be resilient and they won't necessarily tear or injure as easily. And then the muscle, we're training the muscle to expand and get stronger. And so that helps with penetration, whether you're taking bigger things or smaller things, it just helps ease any discomfort or pain if we slowly build up versus, I've never put anything in my butt, babe. Can you just peg me? Here's another very common myth about pegging that it's really all about the receiver's pleasure, when in fact, there's potential for pleasure not only for the peggy, but for the pegger. 
Oh, yes. Strap on play for some people looks like it's a one way thing and that it's the receiver that's getting all the pleasure because the strap on doesn't necessarily have any biological feedback for the giver. And so if you're strapping it on and you've got the silicone dildo, you think, well, I'm putting something in someone and I'm not getting, and this is really our society's problem with kind of phallic centered pleasure and that everything is going to be in the penetration tool and that's where all the pleasure comes from. And, and that's not true. And so we've got a whole, you know, erotic experience that is a combination of our physical selves as well as our erotic selves so your your mind is taking in like what's going on maybe this is the first time that you've penetrated your partner maybe this is a fantasy you both have been really wanting to do so there's all this mental excitement and mental stimulation there's a visual stimulation as well and there's a physical stimulation so the clitoris actually has um, stimulation potential from the mound of, of the vulva. And so that area kind of pounding against something or, you know, there's vibrators you can slip into your strap on or things like that. But even just the, the simple kind of pounding that you would get also during vaginal penetration, that is stimulating. It, it's almost like a really big vibrator that you're creating against your body. I just love that. It's so exciting. I feel like the dildo gets all the attention. How important is the harness? What are your tips for choosing one that's really helpful? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I think this is one of the places where people buy something cheap and then they decide that they don't like strap-on play. The harness is really important so that the giver feels comfortable and that it's actually holding the dildo against their body so that they have more control and it's not kind of flopping around, which is going to give them problems and, and often can just shake your confidence if you can't get the dildo in or you can't thrust comfortably or you feel you're contorting your body. So it's really important to look for a harness that is both a comfortable material, but also has multiple points of adjustment. And so those adjustments can be buckles, they can be straps, like anything that helps like shape it to your body. So it feels like a seamless extension. Lots of strap-ons that come sort of in a kit um, are nylon material and they're really hard and rough on the body. So they can also cause abrasions. So you wanna look for something a little bit softer. There's strap-ons in all different materials. If you're not a fan of leather, there's silicone, there's vinyl, there's all different types of um, materials, but we're really looking for multiple points of attachment. I love that. So many choices and considerations. So really taking your time to find the right one makes a lot of sense to me. I love that you teach people how to be good at receiving pegging as well, because I think there's this idea that you just sort of sit there and let it happen. Yeah, I think that receivers can do so much more that actually adds to the pleasure for everyone. So if you're an active receiver, you're an active bottom, that can look like even communication. So giving reassurance when it's good. So that's moans, that's wiggling your bum or pushing backwards. Um, and also giving feedback when it's not good. Because as a giver, I've often been in a position where I think, well, that looks like it hurts. Like you don't look like, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. Like keep going. And so there's a disconnect that shakes everybody's confidence. Like don't take it, just give feedback. Even if it's, you know, very simple words like, oh, like slower, softer, harder faster, like very simple cues to increase the communication. I have to ask you about a term that you coined that you have on t-shirts that are available. I love them, especially lately in the U.S. We've been going through this really intense election, and it's so empowering to me to hear this phrase, peg the patriarchy. 
every time I hear someone say it, I get a shiver. And <laughs> it really is so much about subverting the system of binary gender and binary experiences that come from that. So it's all about subversion. And subversion is, is one of the big themes that many people are interested in for pegging as a sexual activity, but as a metaphor, it's about being like, no, like we're not gonna work within these prescriptions for masculinity and femininity and sexual orientation and gender. And we're actually going to turn everything on its head. So I think it, it really came about for my desire to kind of connect equity and, and sex positivity um, and less about being a, um, a sexual metaphor, but about how we can make pleasure our revolution, that it's, it's very much about taking this into a broader um, systemic kind of challenge. I appreciate that so much. And to me, I don't think we can separate pleasure from patriarchy issues, from politics. When people say to me, you should really talk less about politics or why are you bringing up these topics in your work? I tell them it's all connected, that you can't take one away from the other and, and that there is this really incredible resistance and personal empowerment that goes so far beyond sex, which can be an important piece, but goes way beyond that. Uh, what is one piece of advice that you would share for someone who's newer in that journey of like, I want to understand this more. How do I live in a way that is more compassionate and, and helpful to, you know, smashing the patriarchy, as, as they say? I think it's really helpful that when we want to question, when we want to deny, when we want to resist, that resistance is actually in us. And, and so that discomfort, you will survive that discomfort. And what it's asking you to do is to really come into it and look at it because likely that discomfort is coming from the same shame and same oppression that we have all been taught but you may hold a particular privilege in that area and so it's distorted and so instead of kind of lashing out and being like where's the evidence and show me the data and it's really about being like why am i questioning this when all these people who belong to this marginalized group or who are suffering under this is is really um i need to listen I, I want to listen more. And so I would just challenge folks, if, if you're listening and you're uncomfortable, to really just sit with that discomfort and go deeper into that story. You will be okay. Patriarchy has no gender. It affects everyone in awful ways. And so our liberation is all connected. How has all of this work in sexuality impacted your, your own life and your sense of self? It has been such a nourishing journey to nourish other people in their sexuality and it just comes back and so as i help folks or as i teach things it really comes back into me making sure that i'm a constant uh, recycling and and reframing and checking my own biases and checking my own experiences and so i, I love being surrounded by curious people and who are curious about their own sexuality. It also is, is wonderful to be able to be in a position to say things that validate people and to say, yeah, I know what's going on for you and I understand how it's connected. And you know, you are not crazy, you are not alone, you are not making this up, you are not oversensitive um, because that's what also patriarchy does. It really silences us and it allows us to think that we're thriving in shame and we're not. And, and so to be able to provide that platform, it's also made me access parts of myself that need healing that I probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to do had I not been in this community. Luna has experienced many examples of this. 
when an area of her own need for healing was revealed and surprised her along the way. And in the particular case you're about to hear her describe, that awareness paired with her acceptance helped spur tremendous growth and led to a whole lot of girl boner pleasure. Uh, One of my other brands I had created was uh, Fuck Like a Goddess. And for Fuck Like a Goddess, it was, I had come out of a a nine-year marriage and I went into a a year of what I call my year of fuckery. And uh, I realized that I was carrying so much shame. I had like lost my sense of self. I'd lost my relationship to myself. And so the ways in which I was going into pleasure was about getting somebody else to validate that I am worthy of receiving this pleasure. And that's usually compromising myself, editing myself, taming my body, taming my desires in order to feel validated. And so when I started to fuck like a goddess, I was like, no, like I'm here to be worshiped for my pleasure. And whatever that looks like that we co-create, it has to be beneficial to me. And, and then, of course, to the other person, there's a mutual beneficial um, reciprocation when you have someone that comes in that feels like they belong in their erotic experiences. And so it really helped me take up more space. It helped me say, I don't have to behave in a certain way in order to feel deserving of pleasure. Learn more by searching Luna Matadas on all platforms. She said if you forget, it's like Hakuna Matata, but with Luna at the front. And as it so happens, Luna is about to launch a free six-month series called Seducing the Butt in partnership with B-Vibe, her favorite butt plug company. She told me she's super excited to offer more butt play education in a way that isn't porno and get into all the nitty gritty of poop and pain and just a whole lot of butt stuff. This week's listener question comes from JJ, who wrote this. I've been with my boyfriend for about a year and the sex is great, but also very predictable. My boyfriend is less experienced and less adventurous than me sexually, which I am fine with. Anyhow, I would really like to try a strap on with him but he's shy about sex and has seemed self-conscious about having less experience. Should I wait a bit or is soon okay? So far, we basically do missionary in 69. I don't want to freak him out, but I also fantasize about this a lot and think he might really enjoy it. Please help and thanks. Thanks so much for your question, JJ. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. JJ, I just love your question. And I want to say to you or to anybody listening um, that it's always fantastic as a couple if you have your favorite go-to positions like your missionary or your 69, it's like your vanilla or chocolate ice cream. But I think big picture, I kind of want everybody to have like in their expanding sexual repertoire, kind of like a Greek diner menu, right? With lots of options. I'm hearing you say there's a part of you that really would like to explore or try on a strap-on, which again, I think is fantastic. Always knowing and exploring your turn-ons. That being said, you're also aware your partner's got maybe, you know, less experience or, you know, may not be as adventurous. So You know, you often hear me say, you know, how do you introduce the conversation? And ideally, you're doing it outside of the bedroom. And it's everything from I heard it on Girl Boner or I read it in Cosmo or Men's Health. And they're talking about these different sexual positions or, you know, the roles of sex toys or strap-ons. And wow, I really found that exciting. What do you think? So that's a great way to sort of introduce the conversation, recognizing when it comes to strap-ons, 
that, you know, first of all, I actually hear this from a lot of women, so you're certainly not alone, but I also hear from a lot of men. And so, again, if he's a cisgendered uh, sort of heterosexual man, he might in some ways have some blocks or barriers, just so you know, and everybody listening, there's what we call the refractory period. So for most men from time of ejaculation or orgasm to their next erection, probably about 30 minutes. You know, when you're 18, it could be just several minutes, or when you're 80, it could be two days. So there's definitely this window. But I think it's that opportunity to sort of say, I would also be interested in exploring other kinds of sensations. So whether you're first introducing, say, a dildo or the strapless strap-on, are they open to sort of new ideas? All of this is about playing, trying on, experimenting. And as I always say, try, try again, because the first time you try anything, you're sort of observing, you're spectatoring, you know, you're not as relaxed or in the moment. All I can say is, JJ, that there's just a whole world of opportunity open to the both of you. But you've often probably heard me say my expression is put a toe in the water, don't go into the deep end. So I would introduce the idea initially with sort of sex toys or just the idea of using a dildo or G-spot stimulation, or as always, sharing more about the idea of the turn-on. What about the idea of a strap-on in particular really speaks to you? And what about it, right? Like The more you can explain and share with your partner the underlying turn-on of any sexual experience or practice, in my experience, that is the definite way toward their sort of saying yes to some version of that. And as I said, Often it's the toe version versus jumping the deep end. So I'm so thrilled you guys are exploring, you're opening up your menu, you're having the conversation. And also think of it as a series of conversations, not a definitive one. Because even when and if you get a no today, it's sort of the yes, no, not for now. You don't know what you're going to get in three months or six months. So you should always be revisiting fantasies, turn-ons, and expanding your sexual menu or repertoire. So as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she said about having those conversations and dipping your toe in first. I love that idea of addressing sex toys. You could also maybe talk about rimming, which is just using your fingers around the anus at first. And I hope you have so much more pleasure in your future. If you have a question for me or for Dr. Megan, please drop us a note. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please hit subscribe if you haven't and consider leaving us a rating and review. For hot sex tips from Megan on occasion and a free download of clitoral play techniques, text the word DESIRE to 66866. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.